and welcome to ABLE Medics, the first podcast from the General Medical Council. I'm Tanita Cross, producer of this series and the GMC's Digital Content Officer. One part of our role as the regulator of doctors in the UK is to oversee medical education and training. That means we work with medical schools and organisations that train doctors to make sure all students and doctors receive the best education possible. We've just published updated guidance for educators on how to support disabled people to become doctors during their time at medical school and in the workplace. As part of this project, we spoke to lots of disabled medical students and doctors, and we want you to hear their voices and stories too. All views shared in this series are personal and do not reflect the views of the GMC. You can visit gmc-uk.org forward slash ablemedics to find out more about our guidance, which is called Welcomed and Valued. And if you want to share your story or give us feedback on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Tweet us at GMCUK and please use the hashtag ablemedics. Hi, I'm Ioana Maraki and I'm an Education Policy Manager here at the GMC. For the last two years, I've led our review on health and disability, and that has made me passionate about making sure medicine is an accessible and inclusive profession. At the same time, I've studied for my master's in global health policy, focusing on how disabled medics are supported across the world. Throughout the review, I spent a lot of time speaking with doctors and medical students about their experiences of medical education and training as someone with a disability or long-term health condition. And I talked to educators about the support they offer their students and trainees. This first episode in our ABLE Medic series is a celebration. Disabled doctors do exist, and they're already making a valuable contribution to our health services. I hope their stories will inspire you as much as they have inspired me. Dr. Hannah Barron-Brown is a GP trainee in Leeds. I became disabled while I was at university. I was diagnosed with something called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which means that all my joints are very hypermobile and they can dislocate at will or against my will um, at any given time. So now I work in a wheelchair for most of the time um, and I also mobilise around with sticks as well. So I'm always a little bit of a surprise when I roll onto a ward. Nobody really knows quite what to expect. Having worked as a nurse before starting her medical degree, Hannah understood more than most the challenges of working in the NHS, even without a health condition. I was really concerned about how I was going to get through, Um, just the practicalities of things. Like I found that when you're a medical student on clinical firms, you tend to be on your feet all day, you're following around ward rounds. It's not like you can just go and sit down quietly in a corner every so often. It's quite an intense programme. And so I was finding that physically really difficult. Um, Part of the problem with EDS is that because all of your collagen is affected, that makes up all of your muscles and your tendons, and you have to work a lot harder just to stay upright. Your body's constantly expending extra energy to do so. So Mm. it's quite tiring just doing what normal people would do. Um, So, yeah, I started to really worry about how that was going to work, not only just getting through med school, but then how on earth I could be a doctor in that situation. It became clear that Hannah was going to need a wheelchair and as is so often the case it was her friends who generously crowdfunded one for her to use. Without that chair 
I wouldn't have got through med school. I'd probably be sitting in my flat, still on a lot of painkillers, having to claim benefits, not being able to work. So mm. that chair has just take, given me a whole new lease of life. For the first year after I qualified, I was working full time, yeah. um, which I never thought I would do when I was diagnosed. And now I work 80%, but the other 20% I'm working for the British Medical Association. And as if that wasn't enough, Hannah's an inspiring speaker and has spoken at TEDx NHS and TEDx Exeter. She's a media commentator and she has run to become a local councillor and an MEP. For Hannah, as well as the support of her family and friends, it's the flexibility of her training programme that allows her to make a difference to people's lives without sacrificing her own health. Clinically, I can't work full time because my body just gets really tired and it's really difficult. But by doing the other things I do and having the flexibility in my training to do that, mm. by being able to use my brain for those 20% as opposed to having to use my entire body, mm. it means that I'm still contributing, I'm still living a full and exciting life and having a great career that I love, mm. but I'm not putting the demands on my body that I just couldn't, be, couldn't sustain, really. Sadly, not every doctor found the flexibility they needed during their training. During my anaesthetics training, um, I had um, an episode where I dislocated a hip, which is when I first went onto um, crutches. Um, and that made anaesthetics very, very difficult. It's a, a very physically active job. You know, you're pulling patients into CT scanners and, and you know, standing in theatre for hours, etc. Um, and I, I carried on doing that and carried on with my on-call commitments, really because I wasn't given the option to do anything other than that. That was Dr. Kelly Lockwood, who also has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, like Hannah. While Kelly had to take the lead in carving out a career path that worked for her, she didn't let her health condition stop her. So I had a chat with various um, kind of people, um, consultants and careers advisors um, within, within the service, um, and we decided that a changing career would probably be the best way forward. So I applied to GP training um, and was successful. Um, so did my three years of GP training over a considerably longer period of time than that um, with, with an episode of maternity leave in there as well. It, it certainly spread it out a bit. Um, really enjoyed it, thankfully, um, and I, I qualified as the GP in February of 2017. Given the added strain of becoming a doctor with a health condition, what drives disabled people to make it work? And why is it so important for all of us that they do? We need to look at the profession and what we want the profession to look like. Fundamentally, we need a profession that reflects the patients we care for. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, we need to reach out to, and I'm doing this in inverted commas, <laughs> minority groups. We need to see them represented in medicine because they are represented in the patient body we serve and that we care for. There is research like the 2016 paper on US medical schools compliance with the Americans with Disabilities Act that show that patients identify more with doctors who reflect who they are, whether because of a shared ethnicity or disability. I had a patient turn around to me and she'd been what people could term, you know, quite difficult. She'd been quite abrasive. She had lots of long-term health conditions. And I went and saw her um, and was kind of going, dreading it a little bit. And it's kind of, oh gosh, this is going to be a difficult consultation. And at the end of it, she just turned and she's like, no, you get it, doc, because you're broken like I am. I think regardless of what specialty you're in, you you know what it's like from the patient perspective and that definitely comes through when you're when you're communicating with patients and you can almost predict 
the problems and the challenges that that patient's going to face so that you can try and help with them proactively you can almost kind of walk that patient journey holding their hand because you've been there and you know what it's like my name's Elise Bishop I'm currently a GP trainee in my first year of training I've had a various uh, degree of health impairment during my education medical training and actual work as a doctor Anita says that it's not only patients who value her contribution to healthcare. I've found just from the feedback from uh, my patients and even actually some of my senior doctors, um, also doctors of my same grade, that they've found that uh, really insightful, the, the fact that I can empathise and my negotiation skills and communication skills um, are really useful and really helpful for patients. Like Anita, there are many students and doctors who encounter health problems during their training and even much later in their careers. For a very long time, for 18 years, I was um, working in student welfare initially as what we call a year tutor and then I became responsible for um, the welfare of all the medical students um, for over 10 years. I did that. Professor Kate Thomas is the Vice Dean and Programme Director for Medicine at the University of Birmingham and has been a GP for around 30 years. She's passionate about supporting people with health problems to work in medicine. In recent years, Kate experienced periods of depression, which meant she had to take some time off work. One of the things that I really feel is I'm a better doctor for having been ill and a better doctor for knowing what it is to be depressed. That's not to say I wouldn't rather not have it. I would rather not have it, if I'm honest, because it's not a very nice thing to have. But, you know, every opportunity is a learning opportunity. By sharing her personal story with her students and colleagues, and with us, Kay hopes to inspire people with both mental and physical health conditions to pursue a career in medicine. I want to... You know, I want to say to people, don't give up. You can, with a bit of adaptation and the determination not to let it hold you back, you can fly, you can do whatever you want to. You'll hear more from Kate, Anita, Kelly, Hannah and more doctors and educators later on in the series. Next time we'll be talking about how disability is viewed in the health services by patients, by colleagues, and by educators. In the meantime, please tweet your feedback on this episode at GMC UK and visit gmc-uk.org forward slash ablemedics to find out more about our welcomed and valued guidance and to read more stories like these. Thank you for listening. Able Medics is a podcast by the General Medical Council. It was hosted by our Education Policy Manager, Joanna Maraki, and it was produced by me, Tanita Cross. Thanks to Nick Drew, Laurie McManus, and Steph O'Connor from the GMC for their support. And thanks to our guests, Hannah Barham-Brown, Kelly Lockwood, Anita Bishop, and Kate Thomas for sharing their stories with us.